Welcome, Christian Israel. This is, well, it's Genesis to Revelation. I almost said Yahweh's coming to people. <laughs> You're a folk radio, Genesis to Revelation, and it is December 10th, 2022, and we're almost at the end of 2022. We may have a couple years left in this world order before Mystery Babylon gets utterly destroyed. So welcome everybody, and today we're still in Second Kings, but we're going to be talking about chapter 19. We have a little bit of a holdover, uh, subject-wise, from last week, where we ran into a situation where it was unclear whether uh, a, wor- uh, a Hebrew word should be translated as Aram or Edom. And uh, we have a little bit of discussion to go along that line. I'm just going to really quickly quote Deuteronomy uh, 23.2, where it's translated usually as bastard. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. Even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. And I like verse 3 right after that too. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of Yahweh forever. <laughs> okay? So there's kind of a, a, a translational problem there too. So uh, there, there's got to be a difference between the word forever and unto the tenth generation. Right? I think the King James has smudged this one too. Right? But the word bastard is clearly, you look it up in your strong concordance, is mamzer, and it says to alienate, that is an adjective form, and a mongrel, that is noun form. So it's very clear that this is a, a, a commandment to avoid mongrelization. And then the verse in question, Deuteronomy 23.7, where it says, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. Okay, can an Edomite be considered a brother of an Israelite, Dan? No, definitely not. Definitely not. So there is a problem with this translation. And if this if this were an accurate translation, it would be the only verse in all of Scripture which has anything nice to say about Edomites. <laughs> all right? So... There's two reasons why this verse is problematic. So, and of course, it says Edomi, an Edomite, or descendant from an inhabitant of Edom. And there is, uh, there's a problem here. And uh, go into the article, and we'll discuss that there's a problem with the uh, jots and tittles between the word Edom and Aram in the Hebrew. Over to you. Okay, the title of this article is The Exegetical and Hermeneutical Commentary of Chronicles. First Chronicles, chapter 18, verse 12. Abishai, the son of Zariah, in 2 Samuel, chapter 8, verse 13, David, and in Psalms, chapter 60, Joab receives the credit of this victory. Probably Abishai commanded in the battle, while Joab completed the conquest of the country of the Edomites of Edom. So Psalms chapter 60, but in 2 Samuel of the Syrians, the word Ar- the two words Edom and Aram when written in Hebrew are very much alike and are easily confused. The reading Edom is right here. Okay, so here's... so. Our suspicion last week was that there are probably other instances of the words Edom and Aram being confused because of the jots and tittles. And so we found out this is correct. So we, 2 Samuel 8.13 is one another one of those questionable translations. Okay. Uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about the Valley of Salt. But go down to the John Gill exposition where, again, talks about the problem with Aram and Edom. Okay. Um, let's see. Moreover, Abishai, and Abishai, son of Zariah, had smitten Edom in the Valley of Salt, 18,000. 
In Samuel, we read something quite different. And David made a name when he returned from his smiting Aram. Aram should be read Edom. As the Septuagint Syriac and or the LXX Syriac and Arabic have it. Perhaps also the text of Samuel is further corrupted. From a comparison of the three passages, it appears that Edom took advantage of David's absence to invade Judah, whereupon the king detached a column of his forces and sent them south under Joab and Abishai to repulse the new enemy. Okay, so here we have two other examples of Aram and Edom being confused in the King James Version. All right, so so clearly the jots and tittles, <laughs> uh, those little squiggles that uh, are barely discernible for one from another can be easily confused and a false translation will result. So the initial study on Deuteronomy 23.7 showing that it is a false translation that should read Aram or Syrian, which is just another... Syrian. Yeah, that's just another translation of Aramite. Okay, so... Uh, Aram was a kinsman to the Israelites, and in fact, that's where our patriarch got most of their wives from, is from the land of Aram, okay? It wasn't called Syria yet. It was called Syria much later. So here we see there's at least three instances in Scripture where the words Edom and Aram have been confused. All right, so very important to keep that in mind. All right, so let's get into Second Kings. Chapter 19. Okay. And it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of Yahweh. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be Yahweh thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which Yahweh thy God has heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say to your master, Thus saith Yahweh, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, (laughs) and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so... uh... They had to consult Isaiah the prophet to find out what to do. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah, and then we find, you know, this is about Sennacherib uh, being destroyed, his army being destroyed by Yahweh. Back to you. So Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he was departed from Lachish. And when he had, and when he heard say of Terhaka, king of Ethiopia, Behold, he has come out to fight against thee. He sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God in whom thou trust deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly. And shalt thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them which my fathers have destroyed, as Gozan and Haran and Rezeph and the children of Eden, which were in Thelassar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad and the king of the city of Sepharvaim, of Hena and Iva? Okay, there is those Sepharvaim again, (laughs) right? But uh, what is this Eden, the children of Eden? Is a is there a town still by that name? <laughs> right, a place in Mesopotamia. It says here. Okay, this actually brings to mind our situation today, because we are dealing with Mystery Babylon, the empire of merchants run by the House of Rothschild, 
And they are just as arrogant as the king of Assyria and says to us, who can protect you from us? We have jabbed, we have murdered your people for generation upon generation. Do you think you can escape our empire? All right, uh, it says in Revelation, I sit the queen. Who can who can uh, knock me off my throne? It's the same type of arrogance. Back to you. Verse 14, <clears throat> And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of Yahweh and spread it before Yahweh. And Hezekiah prayed before Yahweh and said, O Yahweh God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God. Even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Yahweh, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Yahweh, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Yahweh, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Yahweh, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Yahweh God, even thou only. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith Yahweh, God of Israel, that which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that Yahweh has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised me and laughed thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head at thee. Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice and lifted up thine eyes on high? Even against the Holy One of Israel. By thy messengers thou hast reproached the Lord and hast said, with the multitude of my chariots, I am come up to the height of the mountains, to the sides of Lebanon, and will cut down the tall cedar trees thereof, and the choice fir trees thereof. And I will enter into the lodgings of his borders, and into the forest of his carmel. I have digged and drunk strange waters, and with the sole of my feet have I dried up all the rivers of besieged places. Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it? <clears throat> And of ancient times that I have formed it. Now have I brought it to pass that thou shouldest be to lay waste fenced cities into ruinous heaps. Therefore their inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and as the green herb, as the grass on the housetops and as the corn blasted before it be grown up. But I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in and thy rage against me. Because thou rage, thy rage against me and thy tumult is come up into mine ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in thy lips. And I will turn thee back by the way which thou camest. And this shall be a sign unto thee. You shall eat this year such things as grow of themselves. And in the second year, that which springs of the same. And in the third year, sow ye and reap and plant vineyards and eat the fruits thereof. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant. And they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of Yahweh of hosts shall do this. Therefore, thus saith Yahweh concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow here, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith Yahweh. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of Yahweh went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Adromelech and Sherezer, his sons, smote him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Armenia. 
and Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay. So not only was his army destroyed, but his own sons murdered him. <laughs> right? So that, that was a bad day for Sennacherib, folks. Okay. There's going to be a bad day for the Rothschilds, too. Very good. All right. Chapter 20. Chapter 20. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith Yahweh, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto Yahweh, saying, I beseech thee, O Yahweh, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass Afore Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of Yahweh came to him, saying, Turn again, and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith Yahweh, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of Yahweh, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. And they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, what shall be the sign that Yahweh will heal me? And then I shall go up into the house of Yahweh the third day. And Isaiah said, This sign shalt thou have of Yahweh, that Yahweh will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees or back ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is a light thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backward ten degrees. And Isaiah, the prophet, cried unto Yahweh, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. Okay, so uh, the rotation of the earth stopped for 10 degrees, right? <laughs> and then it continued to rotate. Back to you. Verse 12. At that time, Baradak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. Treasures, there was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Now, that wasn't very bright. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> Here's, here, let me give you the combination to my safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men, and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of Yahweh. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith Yahweh. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon." Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of Yahweh which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made a pool and a conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh his son reigned in his stead. Okay, so what is it, 15 years of peace he was granted? But yep. his, his end will not be very good. Okay, but we know, it, it doesn't talk about it directly, but Hezekiah also had two daughters, uh, Skada and Tiatefi, 
who uh, migrated to Spain and Ireland and eventually Scotland, and uh, they kept the bloodline alive because obviously his sons could not do so. All right, verse tw- uh, I mean, chapter 21. Oh, we're going to see how uh, how bad his sons were, too. Right. <clears throat> okay. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh after the abominations of the heathen, whom Yahweh cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. And he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove, as did Ahab, king of Israel, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of Yahweh, of which Yahweh said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of Yahweh. And he made his son pass through the fire and observe times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. (laughs) <laughs> he wrought much wickedness in the sight of Yahweh to provoke him to anger. Uh, wow. And said, Astrology and, de- and demon, what do you call it when you invoke a demon? <laughs> Necromancy? No, that's not necromancy. But yeah, I mean, all of it. Wow. What the pagan and heathen, what the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the uh, Wiccans do. All of it. Back to you. Yeah, he went the exact opposite of his father. There you go. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house, of which Yahweh said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they hearken not. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom Yahweh destroyed before the children of Israel. And Yahweh spake by his servants, the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations and has done wickedly above all that the Amorites did, which were before him, and has made Judah also to sin with his idols, therefore thus saith Yahweh, God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah that whosoever hears of it, both his ears shall tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the the hand of their enemies. And they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies." Because they have done that which was evil in my sight and provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came forth out of Egypt, even unto this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Beside his sin, wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh. I don't think we can blame this on the Jews. Nope. That's our people. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and his sin that he sinned, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And Manasseh slept with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house, in the garden of Uzzah. And Ammon, his son, reigned in his stead. Ammon was 20 and 2 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Meshulemeth the daughter of Heruz of Jotba. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh, as his father Manasseh did. And he walked in all the ways that his father walked in, and served the idols that his father served, and worshipped them. And he forsook Yahweh God of his fathers, and walked not in the way of Yahweh. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him, and slew the king in his own house. And the people of the land slew all of them that had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah, his son, king in his stead. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And he was buried in his sepulcher in the garden of Uzzah, 
and Josiah, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay, so like in America, we have mainly evil presidents and a couple of good ones. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. All right. First, uh, chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, was Jedidah the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of Yahweh and walked in all the ways of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of Yahweh, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of Yahweh, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that had the oversight of the house of Yahweh, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of Yahweh to repair the breaches of the house, unto carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house." Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand, because they dealt faithfully. Okay. All right. So uh, no written record, I'm sure, is what's meant here. So they were just honest. <laughs> All right. How about that? Okay. Yep. Verse 8. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan the scribe, I had found the book of the law in the house of Yahweh. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the scribe, came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work, that had the oversight of the house of Yahweh. And Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and, Ah and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akmor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Esahiah the servant of the kings, saying, Go ye, inquire of Yahweh for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of Yahweh that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened into the words of this book to do according to all which was written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam, and Akbor, and Shaphan, and Azahiah went up to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikpah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. And she said unto them, Thus saith Yahweh God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me. Thus saith Yahweh, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of Yahweh, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith Yahweh, God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before Yahweh, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith Yahweh. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace. In thine years shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. In the chapter Okay, 22. yeah, isn't that amazing that the uh, scroll of the Torah uh, had been lost? And hey, look what I found. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So somewhere in a dungeon, yeah, look at this. There's a scroll. Oh, this is these are the words of Moses. How about that? <laughs> uh, so how many generations of uh, Judahites ha had just utterly disregarded the Torah? 
Yeah, they had so many bad kings. Yes. And usually when there's bad leadership, the people suffer. Suffer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like we're suffering today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, chapter 23. All right. And the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of Yahweh, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of Yahweh. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before Yahweh, to walk after Yahweh and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of Yahweh all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven. And he burned them with Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them into Bethel. And he put down the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the host of heaven. And he brought out the grove from the house of Yahweh without Jerusalem, unto the brook Kidron, and burned it at the brook Kidron, and stamped it to small stamped it small to powder, and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And he brake down the house of the Sodomites, that were by the house of Yahweh, where the women wove hangings for the grove. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah, and defiled the high places where the priests had burnt incense, from Geba to Beersheba, and break down the high places of the gates that were in the entering in of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on a man's left hand at the gate of the city. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places came not up to the altar of Yahweh in Jerusalem, but they did eat of the unleavened bread among their brethren. And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Molech. And he took away the horses that the kings of Judah had given to the sun and the entering in of the house of Yahweh by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the chamberlain, which was in the suburbs and burned the chariots of the sun with fire. Okay, now let me just interject here. The Topheth is a a, a monument or how should I put a pit, uh, a flaming pit into which the Israelites tossed their firstborn sons and probably other children as well. Okay, there was a tophet in Carthage, in which the children of Israel falsely named Phoenicians, because uh, uh, Carthage was a colony of of uh, Tyre. It's really obvious that it was the children of Israel, the ten northern tribes, who were the sailors, and probably ninety to uh, maybe even a hundred percent of the, except for the main merchants who were r- running the show, and those were probably Canaanites. But the vast majority of the sailors were obviously Israelites, and they had a colony of Carthage where they had a tophet just like this. It's just more proof that the Israelites were the ones uh, falsely called Phoenicians. Back to you. Verse 12. And the altars that were on the top of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of Yahweh, did the king beat down and break them down from thence and cast the dust of them into the brook Kidron. And the high places that were before Jerusalem which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, the king of Israel, had builded for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. And he break in pieces the images and cut down the groves and filled their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made, both that altar and the high place he break down, 
and burned the high place and stamped it to small powder, small two powder, and burned the grove. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchers that were in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of Yahweh, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. Then he said, what title is it that I see? And the men of the city told him, it is the sepulcher of the man of God, which came from Judah and proclaimed these things that thou hast done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, let him alone, let no man move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. And all the houses also of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke Yahweh to anger, Josiah took away and did to them according to all the acts that he had done in Bethel. And he slew all the priests of the high places that were upon the altar oh. and burned men's bones upon them and returned to Jerusalem. Okay, he cleared house. Yeah. Fantastic. But what did he do with the... Uh the homosexuals. <laughs> it doesn't say he, he says he he uh, tore down their altars, but what did he do to the homosexuals? Okay, doesn't doesn't say anything about that. All right, verse twenty one. And the king commanded all the people, saying, "Keep the Passover unto Yahweh your God, as it is written in the book of this covenant." Surely there was not holding such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel nor in all the days of the kings of Israel, nor of the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, wherein this Passover was holding to Yahweh in Jerusalem, moreover the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, did Josiah put away, that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of Yahweh. And like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to Yahweh with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. Notwithstanding, Yahweh turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. And Yahweh said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight, as I have removed Israel. And I will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? In his days... Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up against the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates. And King Josiah went against him, and he slew him at Megiddo when he had seen him. And his servants carried him in a chariot dead from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem and buried him in his own sepulcher. And the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in his father's stead. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hamathal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that his fathers had done. And Pharaoh Necho put him in bands in Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem, and put the land to a tribute of an hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in the room of Josiah, his father, and turned his name to Jehoiakim and took Jehoahaz away. And he came to Egypt and died there. And Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give the money according to the commandment of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold of the people of the land everyone according to his taxation, to give it unto Pharaoh Necho. Sounds like federal dictator Rosenfeld. (laughs) He took our gold and silver. How dare you? Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zebedah, the daughter of Padiah of Rumah. 
And he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that his fathers had done. Okay, one good king. <laughs> from yep. da- from David on down, of course, of course, Solomon had his good years, but then he turned into a depraved king. All right, uh, two more chapters in Second Kings. Back to you. Chapter 24. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And Yahweh sent against him bands of the Chaldees and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Moabites and bands of the children of Ammon and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of Yahweh, which he spoke by his servants, the prophets. Surely at the commandment of Yahweh came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he did. And also for the innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which Yahweh would not pardon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his stead. And the king of Egypt came not again any more out of his land. For the king of Babylon had taken from the river of Egypt unto the river Euphrates all that pertained to the king of Egypt. Okay, now this would be, sorry to interrupt here, but this should be historically an archaeological documentation for this, that uh, the Egyptians never had a big enough army to invade you know, uh, Judah or any other country after this. It would be interesting to find out. Back to you. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. And his mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that his father had done. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the city, and his servants did besiege it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers. And the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. And he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of Yahweh and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of Yahweh as Yahweh had said. And he carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor, even 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained, save the poorest sort of the people of the land. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon and the king's mother and the king's wives and his officers and the mighty of the land. Those he carried into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon and all the men of might even 7,000, and craftsmen, and smiths a thousand, all that were strong and apt for war. Even them the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. And the king of Babylon made Mataniah, his father's brother, king in his stead, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Okay, I'm sorry, I I misspoke earlier. Uh, I said Hezekiah's daughter. It should be Zedekiah's daughter, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Verse 18, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For through the anger of Yahweh, it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he had cast them out from his presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. Okay, so how how much angrier could Yahweh be in the present circumstances with the virtually all of the children of Israel in the world today having you know disregarded the law for at least several generations now, okay, and making common cause with the Edomites? Man, there's there's going to be a great slaughter in the land when Yahweh, you know, what it said the prophet says two thirds of our people will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. I, we can see why. All right, back to you. All right, the last chapter of Second Kings, chapter 25. 
And it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his host, against Jerusalem, and pitched against it, and they built forts against it round about. And the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. And the city was broken up, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between two walls, which is by the king's garden. Now the Chaldees were against the city round about. And the king went the way toward the plain. And the army of the Chaldees pursued after the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. And all his army were scattered from him. So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon to Riblah. And they gave him gave judgment upon him. And they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him with fetters of brass and carried him to Babylon. And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem. And he burnt the house of Yahweh and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. And every man's house, great every great man's house burnt he with fire. And the and all the army of the Chaldees that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. Now the rest of the people that were left in the city and the fugitives that fell away to the king of Babylon with the remnant of the multitude did Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carry away. But the captain of the guard left of the poor of the land to be vine dressers and husbandmen. And the pillars of brass that were in the house of Yahweh, and the bases and the brazen sea that was in the house of Yahweh, did the Chaldees break in pieces and carried the brass of them to Babylon. And the pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the spoons and all the vessels of brass wherewith they ministered, they took away. And the fire pans and the bowls and such things as were of gold in gold and of silver in silver, the captain of the guard took away. The two pillars, one sea, and the bases which Solomon had made for the house of Yahweh, the brass of all the vessels was was without weight. The height of the one pillar was 18 cubits, and the chapter upon it was brass, and the height of the chapter three cubits. And the wreathen work and the pomegranates upon the chapter round about, all of brass, and like unto these had the second pillar with wreathen work. And he took the captain, and the captain of the guard took Sariah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three keepers of the door. And out of the city he took an officer that was set over the men of war, and five men of them that were in the king's presence which were found in the city, and the principal scribe of the host, which mustered the people of the land, and threescore men of the people of the land that were found in the city. And Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, took these, and brought them to the king of Babylon, to Riblah. And the king of Babylon smote them, and slew them at Riblah, in the land of Hamath. So Judah was carried away out of their land. And as for the people that remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had left, even over them he made Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, ruler. And when all the captains of the armies, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had made Gedaliah governor, there came to Gedaliah to Mizpah, even Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and Johan, Johanan, the son of Kareah, and Sariah, the son of Tanhumeth, the Netophathite, and Jaazaniah, the son of Maacathite, of Maacathite, they and their men. And Gedaliah swore to them and to their men and said unto them, Fear not to be the servants of the Chaldees. Dwell in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. But it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Elishama of the royal of the seed royal came, and ten men with him, and smote Gedaliah that he died. And the Jews and the Chaldees that were with him at Mizpah, that should be Judeans, right, or Judites, 
yeah. or Judahites, yeah. yeah. Okay. And all the people, both small and great, and the captains of the armies arose and came to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldees. And it came to pass in the seventh, seventh and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in that in the year that he began to reign, did lift up the head of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, out of prison. And he spake kindly to him, and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon, and changed his prison garments, and he did eat bread continually before him all the days of his life. And his allowance was a continual allowance given him of the king, a daily rate for every day, all the days of his life. Okay, so the, it's interesting the relationship between the Israelites and the Chaldeans, because the, they're inter, interrelating with one another constantly, and sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. So it seems to me that these Chaldeans are, are the, have to be the kinsmen, of the uh, Israelites and Judahites. Okay, so I just uh, uh, since we have about seven minutes left, I picked up this article here uh, about the Chaldeans. Definitely, uh, basically, the question I asked is: Are the Chaldeans Shemites? And of course, Abraham, uh, Abram was uh, uh, from Ur of the Chaldees, right? <laughs> so they're definitely related people, but uh, the interaction between the Chaldeans and the Israelites is sometimes good, sometimes bad, right? And so here at the end of uh, the Second Kings, we see that the Chaldean king uh, was actually very nice to uh, the, one of the kings of Israel, right? And also Nebuchadnezzar himself, after seven years eating grass, <laughs> he, he proclaimed Yahweh the true one true God, so an Edomite would not have done any such thing. So I'm looking here at this. Uh, I'll put this in the chat room. So ra rather than go into Chronicles, uh, I'll read from this article here, and I'll put the link in the chat room because it looks to be a pretty good article, that that these people... So what is a Chaldean? From study.com, Chaldean Empire... What is a Chaldean? Who were the Chaldeans? The Chaldeans are defined as a proto-Assyrian culture, and and also their, their proto have to be considered part of the Aramean culture, a proto-Assyrian culture and civilization that affected the formation of the Assyrian and Babylonian empires. The Chaldean civilization existed from the ninth to the sixth centuries BC. I think you have to go long before that. The main characteristics of the Chaldean culture are one, emergence from and similarities to Assyrian culture, and the Assyrians were Aramean, they were Shemites, drastic increase in economic prosperity compared to the previous time of Assyrian rule, association of the reign of kings with the divine approval of the Mesopotamian gods. Okay, so this is the area from which Abraham came. Chaldean meeting. The word Chaldean comes from a Greek word derived from an Aramaic word, which was in turn derived from the Akkadian word Chaldu. This term refers to the Chaldean culture. Chaldean Empire. The Chaldean Empire was a relatively small state in the Mesopotamian region. It was a little sister to the Assyrian Empire and Babylonian Empire. Some scholars refer to the Chaldean Empire as the Neo-Babylonian Empire. And many references to Babylon do not refer to the city during the era of the Babylonian Empire. They refer to the city as it existed and prospered under the reign of the Chaldeans. The main characteristics of this state were, quote, one, opposition to the Assyrian Empire. So this would be an internecine uh, war, right? As many of these were, Babylon versus Assyria. Assyria versus the Chaldeans, uh, the Chaldeans and Assyrians, uh, uh, the, what do you call it, the uh, Medeans, right? Its capital was Uruk, which was south of Babylon, probably the same city as Ur. The state religion of the empire was the Mesopotamian, 
whatever that is, Chaldean religion. Perhaps the most famous Chaldean ruler was Nebuchadnezzar II, who captured Jerusalem, the capital of the kingdom of Judah. In 597 BC, he ruled from 605 to 561 BC. When Judah rebelled several times, he put them down violently. In 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar completely destroyed Jerusalem. He established the importance of the Akkadian religion in Chaldean society by establishing temples throughout his empire. The most famous of these was Etemen Anaki, Etemenaki, which was constructed in, so he's, he's worshiping the gods of the Anakim, <laughs> right? The Anunnaki, folks, which was constructed in the middle of Uruk. Nebuchadnezzar frequently led processions to, to this temple and used religion to legitimize his reign. He also built smaller temples as well as the Ishtar Gate, which was built to honor the Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian goddess of war. Other influential Chaldean rulers include Nabopolassar. He was the first ruler of the Chaldean Empire. And he took over Uruk from the control of the Assyrians in 626 BC. He devoted most of his energy toward attempts to conquer Assyria, which finally succeeded in 612 BC. Nebuchadnezzar II was his son, another Nabonidus, this was another ruler who emphasized the importance of religion in Chaldean society. His primary god was named Sin, S-I-N, while the major god of the Chaldea was Marduk. This initiated religious civil wars throughout the Chaldean Empire. Where is Chaldea? Chaldea was founded in Mesopotamia. It was located right next to the Persian Gulf above the Arabian Peninsula. The Chaldean Empire occupied essentially the same geographic era, or sorry, area, as present-day Iraq. And one more paragraph here: Chaldean culture. What is Chaldean? The main cultural characteristics of Chaldeans are centered on their religious practices and beliefs. The dominant religious tradition in Chaldea was the Mesopotamian pantheon. Major gods in this pantheon included Marduk, the father of all the other gods, and Nebo, the god of writing and the fates of men. Before the creation of the Chaldean Empire, Marduk was simply a local god, important only to the city of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar made him the god of the entire empire to consolidate the religion of his citizens. Okay, so we see, oh yeah, uh, one more statement here. The most frequent Chaldean rituals involved astrology and witchcraft. <laughs> okay, so a, a much uh, uh, underemphasized and overlooked kingdom that uh, was right there between Assyria and Babylon. Okay, very little discussion of the Chaldeans uh, in, in these history books. So, folks, a little bit, a little background on the Chaldeans. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Dan, for narrating. And we'll start second, uh, First Chronicles rather next week. Sounds good. Very good. next week. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Bye-bye.